Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. Happy to be here on this surprising day. We love to pop into your feeds unannounced. It brings us brings us joy. It does. And I hope it brings you all joy, too, and not like, why is my phone notifying me? <laughs> it's not Tuesday. It's not Tuesday. It's not the first <laughs> Friday of the month. Right. Um, we are here with a really special episode today, and I'm excited about this because, oh my gosh, is January not the longest month of your life, Megan? It is. I feel like January has been going on for about four months now, and that's <laughs> not just because I moved this month, but also the way we kind of thought about it is like, you know, you go through September you kick off the back to school season in August or September, and then that rides you right into Halloween. And then that rides you right into Thanksgiving. And then that kicks off the holiday season. And then you come into like January and there's all these high hopes for the new year and all these, you know, resolutions or intentions or goals or whatever it is that it's a fresh slate. And then January just kicks you in the pants because it's like, oh, it's still happening. And it's still happening. It's still, and it's happening. still happening. And it kind of ushers in the most normal, boring part of the year. Like there's nothing now. Like we had all that activity for four or five months. And now we have literally, we're just facing down this stretch of time when it's like the most normal, normal life there can possibly be. It's the most, no, we're not doing that. Um, What I think about January is you're so right. And it's almost like we get a sampling of all the various energy patterns and emotions that come with the passage of time. Like you get this real surge where you're so ready to get back to like healthy routines and everything after the craziness of the holidays. And then you also feel kind of like the natural tension that comes with that. Like, oh, wait, I have to do this every day. Plus you have bad weather. Plus the kids get sick. Um, Have you seen those (sighs) Instagram memes? There's a couple that get circulated around. One is like, why is it January 74th today? Which it always makes me giggle. (laughs) And the other is a pie chart showing like how long each month of the year feels. And January takes like up a third of the pie chart. And February is long. March is long. April gets a little shorter. And then like May through December are tiny. And it's it's very true. It's funny because it's true. It is funny because it's true. And you know what's funny is also is that um, for us, I don't know about you guys, but we don't get any breaks. We don't have any school other breaks. Um, you school mean? breaks. Yeah. We don't get any until like spring break. There might, I think there was, we get Martin Luther King day off. That's already over. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I don't have that to look forward <laughs> we to We didn't now. even need that when we got it. <laughs> right, it was like, no, right. please keep them at school one right, more day. Exactly. So there's not even like a vacation or anything to look forward to. I'm sounding really like dismal right now, but I just want to set up that for everybody, there is a certain, like we're starting to kind of drag the aspirational things that we thought were going to be this year. You know, those are starting to kind of, I don't know, right size. balance out and right size. Thank you for that word. And also we're facing down this very normal long stretch. So I think it can be a struggle, but we're going to try to put a good spin on it. Um, because like anything in motherhood, there is always a way to kind of turn it around and turn it on its head and, um, and find the positive side, even though it can be it can be stressful. Well, it can. And you and I on this show have talked a lot about our different personalities and the ways in which we're really different. And one of those is you've always described yourself as a novelty seeker and you're a project person. 
Um, and so you get excited about the starts of things. You get bursts of energy rather than consistent. And I tend to be someone who likes the regular stuff, the routine. Mm-hmm. But don't you feel like even at both extremes, we both need a little bit of the other. So someone like me, yeah. I need novelty and you need predictability and structure. And so it's about finding that. And I think when we're heading into, well, when we've survived a month like January that has, like I said, kind of everything, like in a big, like 31 day extravaganza, but then we're heading into this very, like you said, real life, normal, not a lot of vacations stretch. Um, It's good to kind of know that about yourself and know, you know, know how to set your mom life up so that it can be happy and productive and fulfilling. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention is you and I have the benefit of hindsight over a lot of our newer mom listeners. Um, And so I don't know. I don't want to be that cliche person who looks back on long stretches stuck inside with a ton of tiny little kids and think that that was somehow romantic or sweet. But I can tell you being removed from it for a few years There's something about those rhythms of everyday life with little kids that when you don't have to do it all the time, I can see the sweetness and I can see the the kind of like almost, you know, the coziness and the nostalgia that I think of now when I look back on those very mundane, very everyday stretches of months that seemed like years. (laughs) I totally agree. And I will also say that for myself, even as a novelty seeker, the years that I have really um, doubled down on, and I guess just leaned into that, the idea that this is going to be kind of a rhythm and kind of routine and kind of boring in a way, but predictable. The years that I've just really like not fought that have been some of the ones I look back on now with the most nostalgia Mm -hmm. and are the most sweet. And Mm -hmm. like whether or not it actually felt that way in the moment, I don't know, but sometimes the stories we tell ourselves about how things were are just as important, I think, as the way they feel in the moment. So um, so yeah, I guess this is this episode's all about finding ways to celebrate those those moments and kind of reframe that monotony. Yeah, and and kind of how to love the everyday real life that you're living right now. And we don't mean that, you know, that it's all wonderful to have Play-Doh smushed in your couch cushions because you haven't been outside in three months, but that with some intention, it really is possible to love and appreciate the regular stuff because we are yeah. heading into a stretch of regular life here. Really, really regular stuff. <laughs> Well, let's take a minute to talk about our sponsor for this episode. We've partnered with the Milk Love What's Real campaign on this special episode about celebrating real moments with their kids. Sarah, I'm really excited about this partnership because when I look back over some of the simple special moments I share over and over with my kids, milk has really played a big part. Um, For example, one of our favorite family rituals are our afternoon tea and the cocoa we like to drink on family movie nights. And we always add a big splash of whole milk. Actually, it's more like several glugs to cool that cocoa down and maybe dilute that tea a little bit. Um, But that has always been a big part of our lives. I love that. You have actually inspired me to offer tea and milk to my kids because I know that you've done that with Clara forever. So that has become one of our little things too. I have such warm, fuzzy memories thinking about like sippy cups filled with milk and little milk mustaches on my kids' faces. So I agree. There's kind of an emotional connection here that I love. And I don't know if I've told you this, Megan, but we have an old family recipe for Swedish pancakes that's been passed down. And when I was growing up, it was really special for my mom to make them. But it felt like we had to wait like forever between the times where we (laughs) got our Swedish hotcakes. So for my kids, a few years ago, I started a tradition of making them on any third day of any three-day weekend. So that includes your random school holidays or your President's Day, Memorial Day. 
Um, when it's that third day of a three-day weekend, the kids get Swedish hotcakes and they know and look forward to that and we make them together. So that's really special. Oh, I love that. Well, everyone, here's how today's episode will work. As part of our partnership with MilkLife.com, we got to chat with Dr. Cheryl Ziegler, a parenting expert and author of the book, Mommy Burnout, How to Reclaim Your Life and Raise Healthier Children in the Process. In just a minute, you'll hear a little bit more about Cheryl in her own words. And then Sarah and I will dive into the episode, first talking about our own real-life mom challenges this time of year. There are many. Yep. And then later in this show, we'll bring Cheryl back for a short conversation about family connection, kids, technology, and more. And then the second half of the show, we'll offer our tips for making the most of the time with our families through moments that matter. Yes, I'm excited about this. It's going to be a great show. Okay, let's meet Dr. Cheryl Ziegler, and then we'll get into the rest of the episode. I am in private practice here in Denver, Colorado, and I have been doing this for about 14 years. So I work with kids and families. Literally, my private practice name is the Child and Family Therapy Center at Lowry. And I was so happy when Milk, Love What's Real, approached me and asked if I would really talk about really the emotional connection between Milk and raising kids and making family memories. And so when we think about comfort food or comforting situations, how much, you know, real milk can be a part of that. And so that's how we decided we could collaborate together and that it made sense for their message about loving what's real in milk and my message about just connecting as a family in such a busy world kind of goes hand in hand together. We'll hear more from Dr. Ziegler a little later in the show. And if you want to find out more about the Milk Love What's Real campaign, visit MilkLife.com or follow the campaign on social. They're at MilkLife. And you can also follow the hashtag Love What's Real for examples of how milk really is a part of so many of the moments in life that matter to us. Yeah, definitely check out MilkLife.com. Okay, Sarah. So we kind of set the stage that we're going to be, I don't know, venting a little bit, but like I think of it as a productive and positive vent session. <laughs> I agree. I think I think part of our role here at the Mom Hour is to normalize normal feelings. And one normal feeling this time of year is that, uh, yeah, real life, it just gets repetitive. So we did think that we could share some very specific examples of everyday lives in our homes um, and ways that, I don't know, are we are we sick of this already? Or are we just, <laughs> they're just, they're just realities of mom life. Okay, well, in the spirit of getting some of these vents kind of off of our chests um, and encouraging listeners to do the same, let's just both kind of name off a couple. And Sarah, you go first. We, we both have a couple little mini vents about this time of year. All right. You ready? Yeah. You live in a house with stairs now. You just moved. I do. I do. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to certain parts of stair life, I got to say. So an example of real life in my house this time of year is piles on the stairs. And Ooh. I don't mean like a cute basket from Pottery Barn with each kid having their little area that they take up to their room. I mean, it's like a it's like a safety hazard to walk up the <laughs> stairs because what happens is I usually me, I'm I'm going around the ground floor and I'm putting things at the bottom of the stairs to take up. But somehow I am the only able-bodied human in my house <laughs> who picks anything up from piles on the stairs and takes them all the way up to where it's they like belong. It's like no one even sees it. <laughs> no, they don't see it. They don't, they don't see it. They just walk. It's like their faces are pointed toward the ceiling at all times or their eyes are rolled back in their heads. I don't know how it is. Sometimes I'll say like, but that's your thing. Like, what? Don't you want your thing? Right. This whatever this thing is. I mean, if it's dirty socks, they probably don't want it. But right. it, like sometimes it's a toy or a book. And I'm like, 
why don't you just you're walking that way anyway? I know. Just, just grab just it. Just grab it. And I, I'll go a step further, pun intended. We have two landings. So we our stairs kind of like take two turns on the way down. So the first landing is only, gosh, I almost could count like six or seven steps up a nice square landing. And I have a basket there. And I've told the kids like, that's a fine place for like, you can toss something up to the first landing and we'll go through it on the weekend. Like that's an acceptable place to put things. But here's where real life creeps in. I'm even bad about emptying that basket. So right now that basket I don't, I, I'm like afraid to look in it. It's like the junk drawer of the stairs. I was just going to say it's the stairs junk drawer. It is. Oh I'm gosh. actually better about the things that don't go into the basket because those just look bad. Dirty socks on the stairs and sweatshirts and books and all that. That I'm more likely to slowly usher it up to its upstairs location. But the basket, because it's, it's like, it's, it's a cover for a real lack of follow through on my part. So oh yeah, my gosh. real life. Stuff on Real the life. stairs. Stuff on the stairs. Okay, well, I've got one okay. that I just, it, it just, I'm flummoxed by it, okay? <laughs> so in the new house, we've got a much better like living room setup, which means everyone's spending a lot more time in the living room, which I'm so happy about, except there are now like four times the number of dirty socks <laughs> balled up and stuffed between the sofa cushions. <laughs> Why either did that, they put them in between? I don't the know. Cushions. Either that or they're like right under the sofa. Yeah. I just don't get it. Like if I took my socks off right now, cause I'm sitting on my sofa right now, that's where I'm recording until I get a different setup. But if I took off my socks right now, they would wind up like, I don't know, back on my feet at some point. Like I wouldn't just leave them. Right. That it's so weird to me. Like what would possess you to remove a piece of clothing off your body and then <laughs> stuff it into the sofa cushions? Yeah, I don't understand the sofa cushions. I, we have a major sock issue, too, in this house, with, but they leave them on the floor. So I usually just say, pick those up, throw them in the basket of, halfway up the stairs. <laughs> but right. I, I don't have they don't know to put them in between couch cushions. That would drive me a little bonkers because I feel like I'd lose them. And then you we'd, do. we'd be without socks and someone would <laughs> you be You do. And then no one can me. find socks yeah. and everyone's all upset. And then you like stick your hand into the crack between the, so- the sofa cushions. And oh, there they all are. I don't get it. I don't uh, get it. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that you can't fully vent with me and understand that. But I'm no. happy for you yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a real problem. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm going to call my next example of real life the bedtime tango, which makes it sound much more exciting than it really is. And as I was I was writing this down, having this mental image of the way I go in and out of each bedroom. And, you know, Mm -hmm. in like in a tango or a salsa, actually, there's a lot of like forward and back. So I'm in and out to three different bedrooms at bedtime. And here's where I know I'm already in a way easier place than a lot of you out there with babies and toddlers. But also I've put in more years than you have putting children to bed. So my fatigue <laughs> right. is real. And it's like I'm in one and I'll, I still read to Violet. And that's that's nice. I like that. That's a, a sweet part of everyday mom life. But it's the, OK, I'm going to come out of her room, say goodnight to read, come out. She's asked for water. Go back in. Oh, wait, I haven't really even connected with my tween at all. And so let's feel guilty about that for a second and go in there. And then come out. And then, so then I'm done with the tango of going in and out 10 times. So then I go downstairs and I sit down and I pour a glass of wine. And then they start the tango of coming <laughs> in and out. Right. Yep. So someone calls out that they need something. Uh, someone comes out, comes down the stairs, which is usually the oldest because she's more independent. And she will chat with us. So I just feel like from about, we're early bed people. So from about 7.30 to 8.30 or 9, it's constant. It's constant. And I think um, while it's easier than it used to be where I was physically just in demand more at bedtime, I think I'm older. <laughs> My yes. fatigue is greater. 
And they are more independent. So my expectations of them are higher. And it just feels like. And then, you know, there's some mom guilt that goes along with that, because then when I finally truly settle down, I'm like, well, you know, they're kids and I should be more present and yada, yada. So the bedtime tango, it's a real part of my real life. I okay, so you're so right about all that. The expectations are different as they get older. You also get used to like long stretches of time where that doesn't happen when they're all independently doing other things. So then the fact that it's all concentrated in like this one time of the day, which is happens to be the time of the day you're tired and mm-hmm. you most need it to stop. Um, does it does definitely add a certain something. Yeah, <laughs> to a that certain experience. special flair. <laughs> yes. I will say in my old house, this house is not as bad. Like because there's just more space to spread out. I feel like everyone's kind of finding their groove a little bit more away from me. Yeah. <laughs> but in the old house, I finally got to the point where I would just tell everyone, like the house is closed. Yeah. Like and it, for me, you know, I would let them have their time. There was like that hour of sort of, I don't know, like you described sort of coming and going and like, you know, wandering in and wandering out and hovering around the kitchen. But finally, I was just like, guys, um, I'm done parenting now. Yeah. And the house is shut down. Like it's you go to your <laughs> go place to your now. quarters, go to your <laughs> corners and it, because it can be. And I'm, I was actually just picturing you when you were describing this because I know what your house looks like. There's like um, it's like one of those where the stairs kind of come up in the middle of the landing. Yeah. And then there's bedrooms, not circular, but they're like surround you. Sort yeah, it's of. not a long yeah. hallway. It's, it's not yeah, a it's... long hallway. So I was picturing you almost doing like one of those old timey movies. Yes. Where they like speed it up backward and forward yeah. and or maybe like a chase scene from like Scooby-Doo yeah. where you're like going in one room and then coming out like of a different room, but you didn't actually exit the one. I don't know. Right. Just... Or where they would do it like in a cartoon, in a Mickey cartoon, they'd have my footprints on like a map. And you'd see <laughs> yes. me like <laughs> going yes. in and out and it would turn into this just ridiculous shape of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything to do about that. It's just, I'm just just acknowledging that it's just acknowledging it. And apparently it happens every night. (laughs) Yep. It does. It it will. It will for for a while, even when they're older. (sighs) Um, Yes. Okay. You feel better? Yeah, I do. This feels good. All right. Good. All right. Good. Well, I'll do my last little one. This is a silly little one. Um, But it's one of those, like the straw that breaks the camel's back. But my kids cannot keep a pair of mittens or gloves together all year to save their lives. <laughs> yeah. And not all of them, you know, wear gloves all the time or mittens like the high schooler I've mentioned doesn't even like to wear protective outer layers of any sort, but right. they still have to have them because they might have to go shovel or like, you know, it's sub zero outside or something. And it's, it's always, it's almost worse the older they get because I'm not, I don't have my eyes on their stuff the way I used to. Yeah. Um, it was annoying when they were little too, but that then you could just go to the elementary school, like check the lost and found. And if it wasn't there, I usually had a backup. Here, it's like they're all independently responsible for certain things. And gloves are one of those things until <laughs> it's like seven in the morning. It's really cold and they can only find one glove. And it, it's like they all do it. They yeah. all do it. And then at the end of the year, all those gloves will turn up someplace bizarre. And I just think... <laughs> You know, I just have been riding the same pair of gloves now for years. I just take them off in the same place. <laughs> I stuff them in my coat pocket or I put them like next to where the coats are. Like I know where my gloves are. It's not that hard. It is not. It's, but it it's is just not that hard. It's universal, right? It's so universal. Yes. That's so funny. Well, okay. So if this sounded kind of like a vent fest, we kind of put it out there that it was and that sometimes it's just productive to share the little everyday things that are uh, just making life. It's not that it makes life hard, but it's it fills up your mental energy throughout yes. the days. So as we talked about this, something I find interesting is that if we were five to 10 years back in time and we had made a list of the real life 
little things that were taking up our time and energy. Mine would have been like um, a, a young toddler who wanted to be held all day long. And mm-hmm. I have this image of Play-Doh in the cracks of my old dining yes. room table, just in the grooves and, and not even cleaning it. I don't think I did clean it out. I just left it there and it annoyed you just me. just look at it every yeah. time you pass it. You're like, ugh, yeah. And of course, it's so cliche to say, but in hindsight, those now seem kind of sweet to me, right? Like that yeah. represents a time in my life when my children were really small. Our world was relatively insular in our house. So maybe... As cliche as it is, maybe I can lean into that a little bit and kind of remind myself like the things that we just listed off today are tomorrow's sweet memories. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I was thinking when we were thinking about, you know, 5, 10, 15, even 20 for me years ago, what would this time of year have represented? And one thing that popped into my head was like that feeling of having to stoop over to tug boots on a little kid. Um, And that lasts, you know, like when they have the little toddler feet, it's like you lay them down and then you smush the boot <laughs> on their feet. You kind of twist it and you like smush it on. Or if it's one of the ones with the, like the elastic things, you pull them and you pull them in your lap and then you pull it on like towards yourself. That's how I always did it. And then when they get older and they can hold your shoulder and you kind of like help them shove their own foot into the boot. I mean, I, <laughs> I can tell you that. You're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just quiet here. But listeners know. Listeners are yes. nodding along. Okay. Yeah. So you do. So it, like the whole boot putting on thing evolves. Like when they're little, you put them in your lap and you pull towards you. Then they get a little older and you shove it on. Then they get a little older and you support them and help them while they shove it on. But either way, this is taking up like <laughs> months of the year like because they go on and off and on and off, especially when kids are in the phase of life where they're going in and out and in and out. And I haven't had to help a kid put on a shoe, not a boot, not lace anything in. I can't even remember the last time. So when I think about it now, I actually am getting this like rush of nostalgia. <laughs> Isn't that Thinking funny? about the thing that was like such a hassle and like, oh my God, you know, like the, they need to do this thing again. It's yeah. like the, whatever the thing is again, you know, help me wipe again. again. And just, it's going to be this thing again and again and again. And now that season, like those hassles that were added up to that stress, then now they're like this amalgam of nostalgia, Mm -hmm. of like a positive memory. So Mm -hmm. it's so funny how that happens. And regardless, it will happen whether or not you are enjoying it right now. Right. (laughs) That's true. You you don't have to enjoy it right now for this to happen. Right. But But I think it, it is when we're facing this long stretch of regular life ahead of us, I think it's a a great opportunity to kind of reframe that. Um, And maybe something else that just to add to that, to reshape our thinking here is that each of these little things, little moments with our kids is an opportunity for connection. Maybe not picking dirty socks out of your couch cushion. I'm I'm struggling to find a moment of connection there. Well, there's no kid involved. They're all gone. (laughs) They left me the socks and they disappeared. (laughs) But so many of the repetitive things we do, the cutting up of apples and the serving of snacks and the car rides after school and all of those, the bedtimes, the bedtime tango. Um, It is all opportunities for connection with our kids. And I don't mean that each one has to be like dewy eyed and meaningful and perfect, but they all add up to something. So maybe that's a great intention to kind of set for ourselves this time of year is that we're going to be stuck inside a fair amount. We know we're going to be doing kind of the same old, same old a lot. So Using that as time to connect with our kids, I think, is a great way to go into this this season. Well, and Sarah, to be honest, I mean, if I really wanted to, I could take something that is disconnected from my kids and reconnect them to it. For example, 
I could give all of my kids noogies as punishment for leaving their socks. <laughs> you could chase which, them around the house. <laughs> I just think it would be actually really funny if their punishment was that they had to come collect the socks and then get a noogie because William is about six foot three now. So he'd have to like stoop all the way over. It would be really, really funny. But also kind of like the way I like to kind of not punish my kids, but like the way I like to get on their cases when they do something repetitive that I find annoying is to kind of be funny about it. Because totally. Yeah, it's it's makes it makes it more fun for me. Yeah. So I think noogies are going to be my new punishment. No, I'm, certain ha- I'm handing them out certain today. OK, well, I'm <laughs> steering clear of your house. My hair already looks really bad today. Um, but actually, you bring up a real point, which is that humor and play is is a, a great way to connect. And sometimes the best way to flip the script on something that's annoying is to gamify it or turn it yep. into something. I have tried gamifying picking up your own socks and I failed. So I will be on the look for another don't leave your socks lying around game this winter. Wad them up and throw them at their faces. (laughs) Put them in, (laughs) put them in like their backpack, put them in their lunchbox the next day. (gasps) Oh, that's a great idea. (laughs) You could have a lot of fun with this, Sarah. I would love to see some like Instagram adventures. It'd kind of be like Elf on the Shelf, but like way more satisfying for a parent. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, stay tuned for images of me putting dirty socks in my children's lunchboxes. If cannot wait, <laughs> if I decide to go that route. Okay. Well, I think this is a good time to get to our interview with Dr. Cheryl Ziegler from the Milk Love What's Real campaign, our partner for this episode, because she really has some great tips for putting not only a positive spin on this time of year, but just in general, um, finding those moments to connect with your kids. And we talked to Cheryl about her thoughts on everything from families and technology to communicating with teens and more. We hope you enjoy this short discussion with Dr. Ziegler about how to share simple, special moments with our kids, even during busy times. We are here with Dr. Cheryl Ziegler. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Thanks so much. So you are a psychologist in private practice, and you said you've noticed a disconnect between kids and their adult family members. So tell us what that looks like, like actually for the kids and for the family as a whole. What are you seeing? So what I see are families that are so busy, the amount of hours that parents are spending in cars is only continuing to increase. Kids' structured time that they are in sports or activities or clubs is increased. And the amount of time that technology just takes over our life. You know, it used to be when a parent left the office, they pretty much, you know, left the office. But now it's you've got your phone, you've got your watch, you've got your computer, you've got your laptop. Like it's like always you're always on technology in the digital world has really almost pulled people away from spending face-to-face time uninterrupted with one another, you know, and I'm thinking ideally sitting around a dinner table or something like Mm -hmm. that, even, even the breakfast table. I think part of what makes that so tricky is that we think that the moments for us to connect or the opportunities for us to connect have to be these big complicated things. So let's, Let's kind of boil that down and debunk that a little bit. I know there are simple ways that families can make time to connect and would love for you to share some. Yes, I would love to because you're exactly right. It's definitely not like, oh, we have to take a vacation together or we have to go away for the weekend. It's it's make time in the car. Car to me is the number one place to connect with your kid um, almost of any age. If you've got a toddler and you want to connect with a toddler in a car, just sing along with them. Just play rhyming games with them, right? And then if you have a school-age child in the car, just talking to them about their day. And if you've got a teenager, for some people, there's even nowhere else for them to talk to their kid except for in the car. Use that time when you're in the car to just to chat. And I know that as these words come out of my mouth, 
They sound kind of simple, but they're not. The comfiness of being in a car together just facilitates conversation. So that's one area. And I'm a really huge proponent. But the other thing is, you know, people are just on the fly these days. And so using breakfast time to even be a time where could you sit down for five minutes, even five minutes and just be like, okay, you know, what do we have going on today? Okay. Do you have your uniform? Do you, even if it's just logistical talk like that, you're connected and hopefully stress-free. I love that. So we've touched on technology a few times, but let's go a little bit more into that. We know technology can be a big distraction, um, but what is your view on how it fits into a kind of modern home? And can we use it to our benefit? I think we have no choice, right? I think we have no choices. Mm -hmm. So I think setting boundaries around it. I think modeling healthy habits around it. I think teaching kids digital citizenship. So that means like, how to be safe online and how to be responsible online. And that's a high value to me. So when I'm working with other families, I say to them, just what are your values? And if you parent from your values, if you're clear on them, parenting becomes a little easier. We use a lot of technology almost together. Like we've been watching a lot of older movies, like from, you know, my growing up and older than that. So it is, it is a challenge to find ways to bring technology back around to family connection rather than everyone going off with their own device. It's hard. One thing I've done when talking to my kids about my older kids, my um, teenagers about social media, I will sometimes play dumber than I really am and kind of be the butt of the joke and ask them to explain things to me. Um, like, how does Snapchat work? Or I don't get it. What's TikTok? And I just find that when I do that, it puts them in the, in the seat of being the expert and then they can kind of like school me about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I learn more than I would if I came at them um, derisive about it or like really negative. Yeah. I think that's great. Technology's caused in some families such a generational divide that you do have to strike a balance of like, hey, tell me about that again. And then also being like, listen, I know what goes on right here, (laughs) you know, and so there's not a perfect answer for that. It's just keep remembering there's a balance of both. And tell us about your kids. You are a mom of three. Is that correct? I am. My kids are 12, 9, and just turned 7. Okay, so 12, 9, and 7. And since we're talking about your partnership with Milk, how does Milk play into uh, their lives at each of those stages right now? Yeah, you know, it, it fits in like a little bit differently for each kid. I love to make pancakes on weekends using whole milk or buttermilk to just give them that extra like yumminess and comfort feeling is awesome. And I do love to bake, actually. And so I genuinely do love having them come home or even having dessert after dinner or something like that. And like pouring the three glasses of milk and giving them cookies or whatever it's going to be. And and everyone just like becomes quiet. You know, even if I just pop in the pre-cut chocolate chip cookies or something, it's just something that like it gets super quiet in our house while they're like dunking and eating. And it's like, ah. And I think as a mom, it also just it's like a very caretaking feeling Mm, to be able to put that out. And it's You know, we put out snacks and food for our kids all the time, but there's something that feels nurturing about because of all the emotions we have associated with, you know, cookies and milk after school. Um, It does. It feels like it feels like a good mom thing to do. (laughs) It sure does. We get a little bonus. (laughs) Yep. It does. I totally agree. It's amazingly satisfying. That's very cool. Very cool. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the Mom Hour. We loved chatting with you today. Yeah, you're welcome. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks again to Milk Love What's Real for sponsoring today's episode. 
To learn more about the Love What's Real campaign, visit MilkLife.com or follow the campaign on social. It's at MilkLife, and you can also follow hashtag Love What's Real for more examples of how milk can go hand in hand with the moments that matter to us. Well, Megan, let's continue this discussion with some of our own tips for how to really bring enjoyment and fulfillment into this next stretch of the year as a mom. Connecting with our kids is a huge part of that, but you and I have always been advocates for moms kind of claiming their right to happiness. And uh, I think this time of year is no different. So we have some little tips and I can start if that works. Sure. So my first tip is to make sure you're building in little daily or weekly or monthly family rituals that both kids look forward to and you look forward to, especially this time of year when there aren't big holidays on the calendar. So I mentioned earlier in the episode that any three-day weekend, my kids look forward to our special Swedish pancakes recipe. Um, And we do have President's Day off and Martin Luther King Day off. So while not the traditional gift-giving holidays, um, I think having something to look forward to on the calendar, maybe you do a special Valentine's breakfast, or maybe there's something even in March, St. Patrick's Day. So there are little places on the calendar. We've spent a lot of time on this show talking about how you don't have to overdo it. You don't have to Pinterest. It's not about the Pinterest perfect. It's about the little things that your kids will look forward to. And I will say that kids, my kids age, who are now seven, nine and 11, they have a good bank of memories from prior years. And I love that because they're like, oh, for Valentine's Day, we don't get presents, but we do a special breakfast. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We do do that. that. (laughs) You know, so I think, um, again, with me, it often comes down to calendar planning, but make sure you make sure you put some things on the calendar to look forward to both for yourself and the kids. Well, and I like that we're we're leading into this by by saying these are things that are are for our enjoyment, our satisfaction. But just like the saying, I believe is true, you know, happy mom, happy house, or yeah. however that saying goes. The reverse is also true. When your kids have something to look forward to, and they're not dragging and bored and complaining, it also makes everyone else's lives more pleasant. So it's mm-hmm. like the, it creates that virtuous circle, yep. right? Like the things to look forward to are for you; they're for them; they're for everybody. Um, but the more happy everybody is, the more happy everybody is. Yes, totally. So, um, so my tip is to keep that connection convenient. So make it easy on yourself. Um, instead of thinking like, for, for example, we love board games, but a lot of board games we've talked about in the show many times take hours to play, <laughs> yeah. are complicated to set up, are the kinds where one kid's going to like rage quit because they're really too little for it. So I love the idea of keeping really simple things stashed around mm-hmm. that you can just do in five or 10 minutes. Um, like for example, the Settlers of Catan is a really fun game and one of our favorites in my family, but it takes a long time and someone loses big. And it, also, time, it takes a lot of space. Sorry. It takes a lot of space, but like every time we go in, there's someone, usually a younger person who has high hopes or mom, actually technically it's, typically <laughs> it's mom, um, who has high hopes of winning, who doesn't win. They also have like a dice version. That's okay. like way faster, way more simple. You can do it on the island without having to even move the other things off the island. So it's it's just a lot of fun. And like Mad Libs mm, are something yeah. you can do in a few minutes. There's lots of things like that that can be fun little activities that you can do quickly and just keep them stashed around so you don't have to go digging them out of some drawer, you know, three rooms away. Make them something that you can do easily right where you are. That reminds me when we did our episode about habits, we talked about how silly it is that our brains need the path of least resistance, but they do. And so, like you said, placing them in plain view with easy access. So a few that I that came to mind for me, Boggle, I love Boggle. It's one of yes. my favorites. It takes up very little space. 
the kids will sometimes just shake it up and just they don't even get out a pen and paper and really play. They'll just look yeah, they for just words. Like, want to look at it. Yeah. So that Mad Libs you mentioned Yahtzee is another dice game that you could play. You could play half heartedly and kind of do a few rolls or you could you could get it out and play, but it doesn't take up very much space. Sometimes those like uh, table topics, question cards you can put in a basket on your table and they ask yes. like little questions or maybe there's trivia, a book of jokes. Joke books are yes. great. So yes. like think of like um a basket, like a busy basket, like you maybe made your toddler when you were nursing or something, but it's like a busy basket for family connection. So I, I love, love, that. love that. And also one more little hack on that. Um, I am a shameless changer of rules to make games shorter. I know we've talked about this <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, when was it the last time we did an episode about board games? It's, it's been a while. It's been a while, but we do have one whole episode. So we'll link that up. Yes. But one of the things that we've always done, and my kids will ask before we start, like, are we playing this the real way? Or are we playing this like the mom way? And I'm like, nope, we're playing to five points and that's it. Because it's all I have time or patience or energy for right now. But you still get the game in. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be the big, like, blowout version of every single activity every single time. Like, those little moments really matter. I agree. I love that. Okay. Well, I have to admit, you came up with this next tip. But somehow in the outlining of our episode, it got assigned to me. So I'm giving you full credit. Oh, thank you, Sarah. You uttered this <laughs> lovely phrase that I'm going to keep in mind this winter. Make where you are where you want to be. That's so smart. Did you get that somewhere? Did you just roll? I don't off think the so. I think it was one of those brain like my brain just went into this fever state. It's and from it just it's from out. magazine writing. It's like a it's yep. like a great headline. You're right. So you're right. Making where you are where you want to be to me means setting up your home and your space with little pleasures like a new candle or switching out the tablecloth or the placemats. Yep. You know, it's really easy at the beginning of January to have these huge home organization overhaul ideas. And it's really easy by January 30th to be discouraged that your new systems aren't working and there's still socks on the stairs. So maybe somewhere partway in the middle while you work the kinks out on your new systems and you kind of right size those expectations is just to put a little touch of something. I love getting all the Christmas put away. I feel like this year it took forever. There was like this lingering pile of Christmas stuff even like a few days ago. Now it's all away. And it's really satisfying for me to kind of tinker around my house and put a little succulent in a little clay pot that the kids made in the fall from school. And so um, make where you are where you want to be and and take the time and a little bit of effort to do that. Because like you said, a happy mom who feels happy in her space is just more open and willing to, you know, be available and connect with kids, I think. I love that. And I know that, you know, you said it's really easy to make those grand, those grand plans and then it's really easy to let them fall by the wayside. What's also really easy is to jump in your car and go to TJ Maxx <laughs> and go to their candle aisle because it's amazing. And like the candles are really inexpensive and they smell really good. And they've also got like all the seasonal um, linens. And it's just a fun. I mean, you don't have to go to TJ Maxx. That's my that's my little retail therapy of mm -hmm. choice place because it's just like the place where you can browse and just get a little touch, a little yep. touch here, a little touch there. And another thing that's really easy to do is make a playlist. Oh, I love that. I love making a new playlist like that. Something like that, because music is important to me and it really can change the mood of the house. And if your playlist is feeling a little old, add some new music to it or make a new one or find a new one on Spotify. You know, like they have pre-made ones that you can easily that are already curated for yeah. you. Um, and that can kind of make where you are, where you want to be. I love well. that. Will you make me a playlist this winter? Absolutely. You You're really what, good at it. You have to tell me what kind of music you want on it, but I will make you one for okay. sure. All right. Um, uh, and then maybe we can make it public and share it with oh, everybody. Yeah. We've done that before, I think. I don't remember what we it's where it went. It's been or, a while. It's been Time a while. Time flies, friend. <laughs> it sure does. I know. Okay, well, here's my next one. Um, 
you know, it's the end of January. A lot of us went into the year with very um, lofty goals about how we're going to eat this year and how we're going to feed our families. And I think this is a great time to go easy on yourself about meal planning. If if you kind of went in thinking, I'm going to personally overhaul my diet or I'm going to, this is the year my kids are going to eat all of the fresh things. And we just did an episode about that, like what, two weeks ago or something. Those are all great ambitions to have. But when I think about what really matters to me about spending time in the kitchen and double down on that, it makes it a little more okay and easy to let some of those intentions go a little bit. And actually then we've also talked about this, that it just makes it easier to actually do the thing. Like when you, when you let go of like, how hard it is, how aspirational it is, you actually do it. And then somehow you actually get closer to the aspirational, which is so funny how that works. I agree. And, um, you know, this is airing January 30th. So some of you maybe did kind of a reset or like a 30 day something. And I think that can be great to like, just create a real mindset shift for yourself after the holidays. So I think that's wonderful. But for me, what I've observed about being able to sustain those kinds of uh, objectives about health and feeding my family for the long haul is making it very achievable and approachable mm, yeah. and something that I can actually do. So I, I agree. We're not saying give up, but um, definitely give yourself a, a break or a pass um, as we head into this next stretch of the year. Okay. Well, my final tip is to look for things to celebrate as we head into this next stretch of the season. Um, we have some birthdays in my family this time of year. Violet's birthday is um, toward the end of January. Mine is in the middle of February. And then we also have some extended family members with either January or February birthdays. So if you don't have family birthdays to celebrate, we I, got nothing. You got nothing this time of <laughs> we year. We got nothing. You are all fall or spring, <laughs> yeah. summer. Yeah. So funny. Um, I think for kids, little celebrations are just such a pick me up. Um, and so we have a few funny rules in our house that bring on celebration. So when they have their uh, semester awards, which happen in January for school, we take them through the Dairy Queen drive through And I have this thing where I'm not a huge fan of traditional school awards. I think they can be very motivating for some students, and that's wonderful. But um, for my kids, I always want to acknowledge some other things that maybe aren't at the awards ceremony. So we go to the Dairy Queen drive through and... Brian and I literally say something that we're proud of each kid for before we hand them their ice cream, because I want them to kind of internalize some um, definitions of achievement outside of those that are presented at the awards. And then we go to the awards and that's fine. So we've created a little celebration out of that. Um, You might have a winter sport going on, like basketball or something um, to build in an ice cream trip or a celebration at home after a particularly hard game or practice. Um, and then even if your kids aren't into sports, um, it, it's fun to get into either the Super Bowl or March Madness. Like there are just things happening in the world worth following and celebrating and creating little traditions around. And then finally, on that note, I try to keep the pantry stocked with something to celebrate with, whether mm. that's like something easy bake, um, like a box mix of brownies or something we can bust out and just create a little party uh, when the moment arises. Sometimes you have to look for those things. I love that. Um, and sometimes you have to make sure you get like doubles of those things if you're going to use one. So you have, yeah, you know, so you have yeah. another one like kind of on hand for the next time. Um, I just want to make a comment about the, the celebrating and little kids like having wanting those little celebrations. I think it's so funny how that continues into the teen years. I'm just going to give it an example. So Owen's in eighth grade. He's okay. 14. And traditionally, the eighth grade class has had this like, it's not the end of year awards ceremony, but it's like this breakfast where 
Um, you go in, almost everybody is invited. Almost everybody gets something, right? Okay. And it's like there's donuts for the parents and the kids, I guess. And then everyone goes up and gets there. And I don't know if they just decided it was too interrupt- too intrusive on the school day or what, um, but they're not doing it this year. So Owen asked me, I asked him about his GPA and whether that was important to him this year or not. Sometimes it is, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. Um, and he said, well, you know, we're not really doing the donut thing this year, so I guess I don't care. And I said, <laughs> were you only in it for the donuts? Like, you only wanted to get, you know, a, on the honor roll because you would get donuts out of it? He said, yeah, you know, kind of. And then he said, well, mom, um, if I did get all A's, would you take me to Dunkin' Donuts? Aww. And I said, well, of course I would. I mean, I would have anyway. It's really cute, though. <laughs> but I thought it was so adorable. So, like, last night, he's reading off all of his grades. He's like, oh, but one of them's a B plus. But you know what? She hasn't she hasn't put the new grade in yet. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get that up to an A. Can we get donuts? Aww. And I'm laughing, thinking, oh, and I would take you for donuts. Right, <laughs> like, right. I would, of course, take you for donuts regardless. It's Dunkin' Donuts. It's, like, three yeah. blocks away, and it's going to cost me a few dollars. But I just think it's so cute that that's what he wants. Yeah. It's, like, me to go have donuts with him. And, and so he's willing to work really hard to get good grades for that. And kids do remember these types of little incentives and celebrations. Yeah. Um, and so I love that story so much. As you were talking, I remembered one more example. My friend Steph um, does a teddy bear birthday party once a winter. And she lives in Minnesota where like winters are super long. And one day they just declare that it's all the stuffed animals birthday in their house. Oh. She has three little girls. <laughs> and so they make a cake. They have and there's no other. They don't invite anybody else. They just spend the whole day basically like having a birthday party for their stuffed animals. And oh my gosh, isn't that so that. cute? And those kids will remember that forever. So look for little celebrations. I'm going to throw out one more, yeah. one more thing. I remember when I was a kid this time of year, I, and I learned this from the classroom. We did this a couple of times in school and I thought it was so fun. I would turn my room into like a beach scene. Oh, I love And I did that. this like, or like a campground uh-huh. and it would take up like the whole weekend because it takes mm-hmm. a long time to basically convert your bedroom. You yeah. know, you have to draw the sun and the rainbow, like whatever other stuff I put in the room to make it feel sunny on one day and then um, campy on the other, the other time yeah. I did it. And I just remember it being like one of those, like I created my own holiday. In the middle of probably February. I love that. Well, um, to cap it all off, my birthday, which is in mid-February, my first year at college in Chicago, we decided to um, borrow slash steal a giant display from the dorm, like the the um, dining hall. And we set up our dorm room as a beach in the oh middle my gosh, of winter for my birthday it. party. So that also can last into your... Uh, late teen years as a strategy. Love it. That's right. so fun. Well, this has been so fun. I really do truly feel kind of lighter and more motivated uh, Me too. about this time of year. So if it worked for us, hopefully it worked out there for you. And as always, we love to hear from you what's going on in your homes this time of year, what you're looking forward to, or what is kind of a drag in your life right now. So please email us hello at themomhour.com. And just a reminder to check out MilkLife.com to learn more about our sponsor for this episode. And also check the show notes at TheMomHour.com as well as our social pages. And you'll learn more about Dr. Cheryl Ziegler and the Love What's Real campaign. Okay. And we'll be back Tuesday with another all new episode. Talk to you then. Bye.